Good morning. Please join me as we come together in consciousness and and know that there is one power, one presence, one eternal life that is right here, right now, living, moving, having its being, in, through, and as each and every one of us. It is the felt sense of love and the experience of joy that fills our minds, our bodies, our lives with all that it has. For it has given all of itself to us in this lifetime that we may choose, that we may dive into or step away from. We are free, free to choose. So this day, I let nothing stand in my way of this full embodied experience of joy and love and peace. I honor the coming of this Christmas season, this return to light, this awakening of awareness within me, that something within that is calling me forth, guiding and directing me in a way that is so satisfying, so fulfilling, but it's waiting. It's waiting for me to take the first step. So today I declare is wonderful and good because we are here together this day to awaken together, to have this divine conversation, to awaken our hearts, our minds, and our bodies to the joy that is already within us, that we may radiate, we may radiate who we are as we are know that that is enough for this day so with gratitude for all who make this moment possible our musicians our singers our choir our volunteers our volunteers who are with our youth I simply give thanks knowing that it is God in action God in action as joy this day and so it is So how are you doing? Great. Did you know that it's like a week until the the next solstice and 10 days till Christmas Eve and 11? There's only one Friday left before Christmas. Somebody at my office was counting down the Fridays till Christmas. They started in like October and I was like, oh no. It's a busy time of year. Why do we do this to ourselves every year? I had three Christmas parties yesterday. They started at 11 a.m. and it went right through until I said very, you know, serenely, I says, I I need to go now. (laughs) I have something to do tomorrow. (laughs) And it's been great. It's been great having this, this morning and this gathering with you and this opportunity to have this conversation today with you because it keeps pulling me back, pulling me back into the silence and the stillness, that place where I can reflect. And I've been reflecting on this idea of awakening joy. And it's not a new idea for me. I've been, I've been playing around with it uh, for quite some time. My really, the, the teacher for me in joy was a lady by the name of Peggy Jenkins. And I discovered her work back in the... Um, mid-1990s when I was a youth director and she wrote a book called The Joyful Child and it was all about nurturing joy in children and she taught me a lot about joy and she taught me that it wasn't all these 
these things in the outer world that, that just make me happy. She said, joy is an inside job. And that wasn't her original statement. Many others have, have said it as well. And it took me a long time to chew on that and think about, well, what does that really mean? Joy is an inside job. And so I've spent, you know, the rest of my life um, looking at that. And so today I want to talk about that a little bit more because as I go on this journey, you know, new awakenings um, keep coming. Uh, I discovered that there are many things that I don't know that I don't know. And that's really what the symbol of being in the dark is all about. Being in the dark is, is not having awareness. Being in the dark is not knowing what I don't know. But yet sometimes there's a little symbol off in the distance. There's a little like a twinkling star, like a little light on the horizon that's kind of catching my eye, that's saying, over here, look over here, come this way. There's something more to this life just for you. And if I would just put down my worries, my fears, and any anxiety, and any of those messages that I might not be good enough, or I don't have enough, or I could never be smart enough to do something, just letting all those things be set aside so that I can keep my focus and my attention clearly on that thing that is drawing me out. It's sometimes described like um, more of a sensation, that something that's within us that yet is drawing us to come out of ourselves and move forward in life. And we don't, um, there's not often the big sign that, that's saying, yes, you've got it. It's sometimes a conversation that we're having inside of us that, we're, that, uh, that tells us, yes, you're getting closer, or no, you're not. And, uh, you know, those games we used to play, hot and cold, oh, you're getting warm, 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 hot, hot, hot. And, uh, and that's sometimes how I think life teases us. And yet it's by keeping our focus and our attention on that something that we're sort of feeling. And, and it doesn't come all at once either, does it? Sometimes there's a pattern to our life experience. You know, we get a taste of something here, and then we get an experience of something there. And when we put all those things together, the pattern of our life and who we are, all the pieces start to come together. So in this idea of joy, I imagine in my own weird little way, in my own strange way of thinking, that we are truly invited, that a promise has been made, that joy is ours to experience. And it's written in many sacred texts and many scriptures, the promise and uh, Let's put the first one up there from Isaiah 55. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. That's kind of an invitation that, that joy is ours. In John 16, it says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name, but ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full that your joy may be full, that we are allowed, we are indeed given the opportunity to experience. And I know I want it, and I know that many of you want it, and I know that um, when I gather in prayer with people, it's often, and in classes, it's often the God quality that is most sought after. 
And I just want to do a shout out right now because I have some of my foundations graduates sitting front row and center like I kind of asked them to. <laughs> we completed um, 11 weeks of foundations this past week with a wonderful, joyful celebration. And I say joyful because there truly was a demonstration of much transformation. And we'll, we'll talk about why that's, what makes that so special. But I think that when we come into this lifetime, that we truly are invited in a way. And that that invitation is calling us forth in a very certain and special way. And it's calling us to experience our joy. And so besides if some of the scriptures, I think we've heard these promises in various sorts of ways. And I'm going to invite Bill to set up the first one, uh, something that we hear at this time of year that reminds us that we are being called to experience joy in our life. I think I've heard that since, you know, I was born, and I have a November birthday, so probably I did hear it from almost the day I was born. Um, but there's promises in there, joy to the world, like joy is given to the world, to this whole universe. It's just, it's there for us. Joy to the world, uh, the Lord is come, the Lord. In, um, in metaphysical terms, Ernest Holmes would define the Lord as the uh, expression of God in and through and as us, as a law, as a law of our being. It just simply is. Let earth receive her king. In this physical realm, in this form that we take, having a human body, let earth receive, accept the king, accept the authority to claim and experience joy in our lives. Let every heart let every heart, let each and every one of us prepare a space within us. Let us all have nothing to oppose or be an obstacle to the experience of joy in our lives. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven, that foot that we have in that invisible mystery that we call the greater life, the beyond, the spiritual self, the higher self, that foot we have there, and that foot that we have firmly planted in our physical form. And when the two come together, that's where we show up, and that's where we get to sing as one. There might be another way you've heard about the promise of joy to the world. Hit it again, Bill. Fine wine, sing joy to the world. All the boys and girls 
I know it goes on, but we're going to stop it there. <laughs> so Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Well, you know, in Science of Mind, we teach that God in, through, and as all things. And you can give it many names. And if you want to call it Jeremiah, that's just fine was a good friend of mine. Of course, we walk with this companion in life, with this inner self, with this higher self, and it truly is our good companion. Never understood a single word he said. Well, you know, I'm still figuring out what the message, what that unique message is for me and all the patterns in my life. And that's part of the mystery and that's part of the journey. But I helped him drink his wine and he always had some mighty fine wine. And we know that in some teachings that the wine is representative of the blood of Christ. And the, and the Christ is that awareness within us of that something that lives within us, that higher spiritual self. And the blood represents that fluid thing, that that fluid energy that brings life and gives life to all things. And of course, it's mighty fine. And then singing joy to the world, all the boys and girls. And so taking that masculine and feminine energy and bringing it together in each and every one of us, the intellect and the intuition, that's what shows up within us. Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. Fishes in the Bible always represent abundance. They are multiplied many times over and there's always enough for everyone to feed everyone and there's always abundance there joy to you and me. It is a promise that has been made over and over again in old times and contemporary times. And so truly we are surrounded by this promise and this invitation has been extended. And if we can just flip back to the invitation page there where it says, you are invited, you are invited, be present for the central conversation of your life to receive your true inheritance, which is joy. You see, we have to show up and we need to be present. We can't be living in their past and we can't be be worried overly about the future. We need to show up as we are right here and right now. For there is a central conversation in our lives. There is a context for this life. And sometimes we miss out on it when we're living in our past and we're, we're bringing a lot of our old luggage with us and when we're worrying about our future. There is something that is unfolding and we catch glimpses of it here and there and we discover that we wear many hats in this lifetime, that we have many roles and, uh, and many expectations placed upon us and many responsibilities. But all of these things that we do in our life and the way we show up for them help to create the context. And so, yes, we might be a parent, we might be a partner and a spouse, we might be an employer, an employee, uh, we might be a friend, we might be a mentor. There are so many roles that we might play in this world. And it's not that we leave the ones we don't like behind. We scoop them all up because they all have something to tell us. So when we reply to this invitation for this party of joy, we have to bring our whole self there with us to receive our true inheritance, to receive that which has already been promised by us. And we need to show up by being present, visible, And uh, that sometimes means vulnerable as well. So where is this joy party happening? Out 
on the horizon between one night and the next. And what happens between one night and the next? Day, light. But when we, are, when we are on our journey, we go through those times, and the darkness represents those times when we're just not aware. We don't know, and we don't know what we don't know. And so it is going in that direction of where the light is that we'll, we'll gain our awareness, but it's our willingness to set forth in that direction. So we're heading out to the horizon. And what are we bringing? We're going to bring as many contexts for ourselves as we can hold. And the direction, what direction are we heading off into? How are we going to know which way? Well, we're going to choose a star and we're going to follow it. And what that star represents, if you can think of a big, dark black sky and a little star shining forth, you know, that little star represents that glimmer that maybe catches our eye for a moment and gives us that hope that there's something more than what we're experiencing in this moment, that gives us the idea, oh, maybe there is something I don't know going on out there. It's that light that indicates there is an other, that there maybe just isn't this physical life, that maybe there's another life that is wanting to be expressed through me. It's kind of like um, when we don't have a map and we sort of have to sense our way and, uh, and figure out, am I getting closer or am I getting further away? We have, like, like coming near to a fire, a heat source, that we, we don't, uh, if we're not uh, seeing it just yet, sometimes we can start to feel and we know by the intensity of the heat and how we're responding to it, whether we're getting closer or not. So... So that, that star is also representative of that thing within us that is calling us, us forth. Some of us might call it our goal, our direction, our purpose, but it's really all of those things and more. The host for this party is your one true love. A greater night than that which you just emerged. And so just like I went to three parties yesterday, you know, went from one, got an invitation to one and the next and the next, our invitations in life take us from one darkness to another. We get to one level of learning and knowing and understanding and awareness and we're in the light and we think, oh, I've got it, I've got the answers. And then another night comes upon us, another darkness comes upon us and there's more yet to learn and, and maybe in our cosmic lifetime we'll go through many dark nights and have many awakenings. The time of this gathering, well, the joy is you get to decide. You get to decide when you are willing and ready and wanting to accept that there is something more to you than what you might be experiencing right now. In the Bible, Jesus said, the last will become first and the first will become last. He said the tax collectors and the prostitutes will be the first ones to enter the kingdom of heaven. And what he meant was that those who are willing to accept that there is something more to this life than what they are currently experiencing. Those who ask the questions, those who go out and are willing to be changed and transformed will enter the kingdom first. 
So what he's telling us is if we're perfectly happy, if we don't think there's anything to change or be done to us, then we're not going to be going out looking for our star or the horizon. or We're not going to be doing anything like that. But those who, who want to, who, those who get a glimmer that there's something more for them than what they're currently experiencing are the ones who are going to follow in on this journey uh, first. So I think my biggest realization about joy is that it really isn't the same as happiness. That this invitation to experience and discover joy isn't just about collecting as many experiences in my life that make me happy. And we are certainly entitled to be happy and have those feel-good experiences. But we also know that life is not just about the happy moments. There are also the sad moments. There are the moments when we experience loss. And joy not being the same as happiness means that we can still experience joy even in some of our our saddest and most difficult times. And so, as I was preparing for this talk, something that sort of came across my computer was a link to a TED talk by Diane Nyad. And Diane Nyad is a a woman who started out her life as a a swimmer, and uh, a, a really good competitive swimmer, and she had dreams of going to the Olympics. And due to circumstances and uh, an infection that kind of put her down and out for a while, she wasn't able to fulfill that, that dream. But eventually, as her health returned to her and she got back in the water, uh, she was coached into becoming a distance swimmer. Or she maybe was a distance swimmer all along and, and didn't know it. And so... She did things like swim across Lake Ontario, swim around Manhattan, swim out in the ocean. She just did many things. And and the one thing she really wanted to do, and I'm not really sure why, but she wanted to swim from Cuba to Florida without, you know, uh, just on her own own with with support, but uh, not with a cage. I guess that was the big thing, not with a cage. Uh, because there's sharks out there, there's the Gulf Stream, which is very unpredictable, and there are currents that can push you off. It's a long distance, 100 miles, so there's the whole idea of how do you navigate that when you can't see where you're going at the time that you leave. It would take about 60 to 70 hours, she estimated, to complete this journey that uh, being in salt water for that long could have toxic effects on one's body. There would be the problems of dehydration. There would be the weight loss from being active and in the water that long. And then there would be the box jellyfish, which are the most venomous of the, uh, of the creatures on, on the earth. And so she tried this a few times when she was a young woman, and she never succeeded. And then later in life, it called her again, and she decided to go for it again. She tried in 2011, and she didn't succeed. And then she tried again after that for the fifth time, and she did succeed. And I'd just like to share this little clip with you. 
Um, as she describes her experience of completing her fifth attempt. There, and I saw light, because the day's easier than the night, and I thought we were coming into day. And I saw a, a stream of white light along the horizon. And I said, it's going to be morning soon. And she said, no, those are the lights of Key West. It was 15 more hours, which for most swimmers would be a long time. You have no idea how many 15-hour training swims I had done. So here we go, and I somehow, without a decision, went into no counting of strokes and no singing and no quoting Stephen Hawking and the you know, parameters of the universe. I just went into thinking about this dream and why and how. And as I said, when I turned 60, it, it, it wasn't about that concrete you know, can you do it? That, 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 that's, that's the everyday machinations, that's the discipline, and it's the preparation, and there's a pride in that. But I decided to think as I went along about, you know, the, the, the phrase usually is reaching for the stars, and in my case, it's reaching for the horizon. And when you reach for the horizon, as I've proven, you may not get there, but what a, what a tremendous build of character and spirit that you, that you lay down. What a foundation you lay down in reaching for those horizons. And now the shore is coming. And there's just a little part of me that's sad. The epic journey is going to be over. So many people come up to me now and say, what's next? <laughs> we love that. That little tracker that was on the computer, when are you going to do the next one? We just can't wait to follow the next one. Well, you know, they were just there for 53 hours. And um, I was there for years. And um, so there won't be another epic journey in the ocean, but the point is, and the point was, that every day of our lives is epic. And I'll tell you, when I walked up onto that beach, staggered up onto that beach, and uh, I had, you know, so many times in a very puffed up ego way, uh, rehearsed what I would say <laughs> on the beach. When Bonnie thought that the back of my throat was swelling up and she brought the medical team over to our boat to say, you know, that she's, she's really beginning to have trouble breathing. Another 12, 24 hours in the salt water, the whole thing. And I just thought in my hallucinatory moment that I heard the word tracheotomy. Um, and Bonnie said to the doctor, I'm not worried about her not breathing. If she can't talk when she gets to the shore, she's going to be pissed off. <laughs> but the truth is, all those um, orations that I had practiced just to get myself through some training swims as motivation, it wasn't like that. It was a very uh, real moment with that crowd, with my team. We did it. I didn't do it. We did it. And we'll never forget it. It'll always be part of us. And uh, the three things I did sort of blurt out when we got there was first, never, ever give up. I live it. What's the phrase from today from Socrates? To be is to, be. To, be is to do. So I don't stand up and say, don't ever give up. I didn't give up. There was action behind these words. The second is, 
You can chase your dreams at any age. You're never too old. 64, that no one at any age, any gender could ever do, has done it. And has no doubt in my mind that I am at the prime of my life today. Yeah. Thank you. And the third thing I said on that beach was, it looks like the most solitary endeavor in the world, and in many ways, of course, it is. And in other ways, and the most important ways, it's a team. And if you think I'm a badass, you want to meet Bonnie. <laughs> Bonnie, where are you? Where are you? There's Bonnie Stoll. My buddy. The Henry David Thoreau quote goes, when you achieve your dreams, it's not so much what you get as who you have become in achieving them. And uh, yeah, I stand before you now in the three months since that swim ended, I've sat down with Oprah and I've been in President Obama's Oval Office. I've been invited to speak in front of esteemed groups such as yourselves. I've signed a wonderful major book contract. All of that's great and I don't denigrate it. I'm proud of it all, but the truth is, I'm walking around tall because I am that bold, fearless person. And I will be every day until it's time for these days to be done. Thank you very much and enjoy the conference. Thank you. 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 Isn't that an amazing story? Her life, it's not a story. I mean, it's, she experienced it. And uh, did she say the word joy at all? I, I never really heard her say it. But did you feel it and, and, and know it through her? You know, what I came to understand about joy was from, from watching her and listening to her is that it truly isn't all those little happy events that happen in life. It's when, it's when we dare to step out and be bold and fearless. You see, when we get this invitation to the joy party and we show up at the door, you know, you don't always get into the party right away. Sometimes there's a little process. Somebody's checking you out at the door, deciding whether or not you can come in. And if you try to bring your fears and your negative self-talk with you, you don't get into the joy party. We have to let go of some of those ideas in order to fully experience. We can't have fear and joy at the same time. And so that joy that comes when we decide, just like, you know, Captain Kirk said, to boldly go. But that's what it takes. That's what it takes to live our dreams, to, to set our focus and attention and intention on discovering what that mystery has in store for us, of what is within us that wants to be felt and known and expressed and given and given generously into the world. And when we are willing to do that in a bold and fearless way, we will be experiencing great, great joy. Ernest Holmes put it like this. Life is infinite energy, he said, coupled with limitless creative imagination. It is the invisible essence and substance of every invisible form. Its nature is goodness, truth, wisdom, and beauty, as well as energy and imagination. Our highest satisfaction, which I think means joy, 
comes from a sense of conscious union with this invisible life. All human endeavor is an attempt to get back to the first principles, to find such an inward wholeness that all sense of fear, doubt, and uncertainty vanishes. Truly, we have been promised joy. There is a law that responds to us, a spiritual law that responds to us, that when we take that bold and fearless next step, that all the resources, everything required for us to experience that joy come into play. It is our natural intended inheritance to experience it, and it is the one that created us and loves us that brought it to us. We can be both in heaven and earth right here and right now when we choose to be awakened to our joy and keep our focus on that. Mary Oliver said, so tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Please, take this time, this season, when we are in the darkest part of our year. There's no coincidence that Christmas is happening now in this darkest time of the year because it is in the darkness that the light has an opportunity to come upon us and the light of the Christ consciousness, the light of awareness that comes to the whole world at the time of the solstice and on Christmas Day, we remember that it is within each and every one of us. That is our divine inheritance. So I just thank you for being here today and just invite you to go and be your joyful self this week. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste.